Good afternoon everyone. We are back after the Diwali break to bring you the 28th episode of Candidate Ciceroni Live, one of its kind of unique talk show which delves into the trends, challenges that are plaguing the industry in fashion and lifestyle. We always feel styling is really incomplete without the accessories in terms of jewelry. Whatever the best kind of outfit that you wear, if it is not accessorized well, it's not going to look great. And so to talk about jewelry, we have with us this young dynamic person, um, Jaydeep Bharatji, MD of um, Bharatji with us. Thank you, thank you, Falguni, for the introduction. Great. So, before we begin um, the entire dialogue, let me tell you what Jaydeep has been up to. He has been uh, in this industry for about last six years, and he has uh, studied MBA in finance and operations. Uh, he was working earlier with um, one of the brilliant consultancies, and thereafter, he's joined the business. Uh, he is currently leading Bharatji, a JV between Bahrain. Uh, based Devji Group and Bharatji. It has about 20 retail stores and four manufacturing units. It's quite a huge one, right? So let's delve into it further. Yes. So now you tell us what got you into the business of uh, jewelry? Was it by choice? Was it by jeans? The I legacy? Think, uh, yeah. What? So uh, the thing is that the best choices are made when you have the least information. So uh, when I delved into uh, this or I uh, uh, probably jumped into this industry, uh, though we have a jewelry background, my grandfathers, my father, they were in the jewelry industry for more than 60 years. Sure. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, in 2007, my father passed away, and due to certain reasons, we exited the jewelry business. We have another line of business which is into pharmaceutical machinery. Sure. So uh, I personally, I used to come as a kid at the jewelry store, but in terms of professionally, I did not have any experience. So what I did was that I did my MBA, uh, and it was uh, major in finance and minors in operations. And uh, and then I worked for a company called Crystal Ratings. So uh, till that time I was completely into numbers and uh, uh, because I was uh, studying the financials of a company and grading them and everything. But at the back of the mind, it's, that thing was still there that I need to have a business of my own. And uh, uh, it was always uh, uh, that emotional thing was there that I want to start the jewelry business again. So after a couple of years, um, when I thought that, okay, I'm in the best place in my company. Generally, people leave company when they are now cribbing and everything, okay? So I left it at the place wherein I was, I was enjoying it thoroughly. And I was like, the more I spend time here, then I'm never going to come out. So at one point, I took a decision. And that's uh, that a smart move it. generally. Huh? That's a smart move generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I still have very fond memories of uh, uh, where I used to work. So that's how I started. So I wanted to move out and um, I moved out. I wanted to, there were two things which were uh, fixed that I want to be into jewelry. Mm -hmm. And I want to start from this place because this is where my father started from. Sure. So that was the only two things which are common. Was it more of an emotional reason? Uh, it, it was uh, uh, more of an emotional reason, but there were other aspects also. Mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, opportunities and growth, my personal ambitions also, uh, it aligned by uh, with me doing business then probably doing a service or a job sure that always and then uh, the kind of risks uh, which i have to take the kind of decision making capabilities and opportunities which i have while running a business even if a small one uh, is much higher than probably uh, in a safe environment like job sure. uh, so that excited me also but yes it was a combination of uh, both of emotion and of course the practical aspects or my personal ambitions also so when did it start bharatji so uh, bharatji uh, in in its current form uh, started in 2014 
2014. Okay. Uh, Haraji is my father's name. Right. So uh, he has he had been in the business for a very long period of time. So we had one company called Bharat Kumar Mahendra Kumar, which started in around 1970s. So we still have that kind of a goodwill. That's why I use Bharatji since 1975. So in its re form, it uh, started in 2014. Yes, as a joint venture between Devji and Bharatji. Sure, yeah. sure. So uh, it's a very traditional business, this whole jewelry right. business. It is a very, very traditionally driven businesses. And so what modernization do you think has taken place in this um, industry in the past few years or a decade so? I think uh, uh, jewelry industry has been one uh, uh, which by some way or the other has been able to catch up with the market mm -hmm. uh, and that's why if you consider in terms of uh, uh, size of the market it's still one of the uh, biggest industries in the country one of the largest employment providing industries yes. in the country uh, if you talk about what kind of modernization has taken place, I think uh, a lot of modernization has taken place in terms of the way the jewelry is manufactured. Uh -huh. So what has happened is uh, the, as the gold prices and the diamond prices increased, okay, so the constraints of buying them increased. So there was a very peculiar challenge wherein uh, uh, craftsmen will have to manu manufacture a good or a jewelry. Uh, which looks good but with a lesser weight or probably a much more economical weight. So that sure. paved way for a lot of uh, modernization in terms of a micro setting power. In the last two decades I'm talking about. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, a lot of mass manufacturing also happened. Mm -hmm. so, it, so while that modernization happened, it killed a bit of spirit of the jewelry industry also, but was, which was predominantly handcrafted jewelry or real jewelry. While you, what you see currently in the market is more of a mass manufactured jewelry. It's a casted pieces which are there. So okay. uh, that transition has happened. So in terms of uh, manufacturing, it is definitely uh, there is a modernization. Sure. In terms of logistics, uh, yes, uh, uh, you can buy jewelry from any place, anywhere because there are uh, international mm -hmm. level trade shows which are trade shows which are happening. So that way also it has uh, uh, modernized a lot. The only thing where we lag behind is still probably uh, the craftsmanship or the design aspect of it. Sure. In terms of the forms which you see, and that's one thing uh, which is going to break or make the industry in the next 10 years. Absolutely. If we do not innovate into that and we do not adapt to that, I think uh, we are going to face uh, some bigger challenges in future. Which brings me to the topic, since you mentioned design, um, there's a lot of buzz around the design word, you know. Um, everybody's going back to the craft form and the heritage and uh, everybody wants to revive something or the other, at least in fashion that's the case and which is very interesting to see that development. Do you think that is translating even in the case of jewellery, people are going back to their roots and kind of asking ke amaratyani design? Something like that? Yeah. So I think uh, jewelry has uh, faced that problem in a very minimal way, mainly because being a high ticket item mm -hmm. in terms of the gold price being high, mm -hmm. the customers always tend to go to a safer design. Which is you go back to the classics. Which is you go back to the classics. So sure. uh, people, so in bridals, if you see, there will be innovation, but it's just cycling. So every eight, ten years, you'll see the same design that coming up again and again and again. Hmm. So in bridals, there is the life cycle of a product or a design is very large. Very right. Large. So like currently, right. if you see big brands um, uh, who are good into uh, uh, jewelry or bridal jewelry, you say, I'll take some names, say Sunta Shikhawat is there from Jaipur. She's right. doing good. She has a very peculiar way, but again, she's using that ancient Jada or Polki kind of a jewelry. We have Sabya Sachi who uh, last three, four years yeah. entered. Kishan Das is always there from Hyderabad. Sure, sure. So all of them are using traditional. So they have, jewelry industry as a whole have managed to probably keep that craft intact. 
so that's not an issue. But the problem is of day-to-day -day jewelry or casual jewelry. That's where uh, we are losing uh, a bit of uh, our craftsmanship bit because that's where most of the mass manufactured goods are coming into play. Sure. You have lightweight, uh, 14 carat, 18 carat, 22 carat, very lightweight, machine manufactured things are coming. They want it at a low cost. That's what is probably uh, hurting the craftsmanship bit of it. Otherwise, uh, in terms of old crafts, I think most of the old crafts have been retained. Uh, uh, yes, a lot of craftsmen are moving out mainly because uh, they are being replaced by machines but there are certain things which only a best craftsmanship uh, can do and nothing can replace them they are always in demand like currently sure. also if you want a good crafted jewelry sure. uh, uh, it's very difficult to find craftsmen for them so sure. and there are craftsmen for them they have retained their knowledge sure the reason why i ask you is because as a consumer uh, let's say five years ago six years ago i was not really aware mm -hmm. what would um, a typical south indian design look like right. or a very bengali design look like or a very punjabi design look like you know mm -hmm. and um, tanishk was apparently the brand who started up with the campaign i believe mm -hmm. um, of each state wala bride and so what happened was because of that entire exposure you started realizing that probably the designs that you get here are just a pie, a very small That's pie right. of what is actually available, mm. you know. Mm. So do you think consumers would be traveling regardless of their own domain to kind of buy jewelry from different uh, styles? I think uh, uh, jewelry is uh, one such form of expression uh, which is culturally very rooted. Okay? okay. So even now you will see very few people, suppose uh, you will uh, find very few Gujaratis will wear South Indian jewelries until hmm. unless they are marrying to a South Indian and they are having a South Indian custom wedding. Okay, when that's when they'll buy it. Otherwise, they would like to buy something which is Gujarati. A South Indian would like to buy which is something uh, harams, uh, which only runs there, which can only sell there because they relate to it much more. Hmm. So, uh, I think uh, culturally, uh, the local jewelries or statewide jewelry find more expression in their hmm. own culture. They identify more with that. So, there's no cross culture for now? Uh, for now, it's not there. Yes. Uh, in a city like Ahmedabad, uh, in certain areas, there is a cosmopolitan crowd which is coming in. Okay, so they demand certain kind of jewelry. They do not want to go there to their own state and want to take that pain. Sure. So one of the big, uh, like few of the big retailers would have a mix of everything. Okay, so that will be there. Otherwise, I think uh, it's a jewelry. It's a very beautiful form of expression wherein uh, people would not go out unless they identify with it. So it won't work like if they have seen somebody very beautiful, a South Indian probably model or an actress or probably a bride. Uh, they would not just copy it because it's it's a it's jewelry is basically an accessory. So sure, if it sure. does not fit properly, sure, 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 sure. So what are the millennials wanting now? Um. Uh, so, there are two, so there are two segments. I think uh, very pertinent questions because um, they drive the decision back home. They were, for ten years before there used to be a time wherein the f head of the family they used to decide. Like even if the entire family used to go to buy the head of the family or the one who's influential probably the mother-in-law or the mother they used to decide that's slightly changing I think not slightly I think it's changing in a big way wherein uh, the Millennials are having a big say in what they want to buy what they want to wear sure or if they want to wear it or not sure so uh, again there are two aspects of it there are one uh, uh, branch of people or one uh, segment of people who are very much into jewelry and they would like to go for traditional big uh, very heritage kind of a jewelry sure. so they demand it and they know what so one thing which millennials I like about them is that they know what they want which is brilliant so they come with a very so it makes uh, our life a bit more difficult because uh, they are very specific but we like certain audiences because 
it's a very productive and fruitful discussion after that they want to sure. make certain things in a certain way so they are very aware about what they want and so they uh, one segment will buy a lot of bridal jewelry which is chunky and the other ones are completely minimalist sure they want they know that uh, they're not going to wear this jewelry for a long period of time so they would rather buy small small pieces of jewelry uh, they will uh, so, uh, one more aspect is that the understanding of heirloom jewelry is also changing in millennials. Uh huh. How so? Uh, now, engagement rings and bridal rings are also considered as a part of a heirloom ring, heirloom okay. uh, jewelry. Okay. So they would buy it with the mindset that uh, they would want to wear it for their lifetime, probably pass it on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's where the most of the discussion happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so solitaire rings is something which they uh, like. Uh, mainly into gold hmm. uh, is something which they would like to buy millennials hmm. Hmm. in terms of long term in short term they are moving towards silver jewelry haven't they moved on from diamond no so i'll tell you solitaire it is so fed it is so fed to us by de Beers that that's a woman's girl uh, right, like right. best friend right 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 <laughs> but then the thing is that um, that's how the entire industry is i think uh, there is this notion that it has been fed on to us or probably there is this marketing campaign which happened a few decades back and uh, but the diamond is a diamond at the end of the day uh, but it's a fact it's a fact it's not a notion no, it's there but then at the end of the day it's it's a rare material right yeah it's a rare material so because of the rarity it's there yeah okay, and there is an open market which is there of course there are new species of diamond which are coming in which are probably creating some kind of issues or probably it's beneficial for our industry it's another topic to debate uh, but no, people are not moving out of, uh, and especially I think Ahmedabad as a market, uh, or probably Gujarat as a market, is still to mature for diamond jewelry. People yeah. are still shifting towards it. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, gold is the major economy here, but diamond is something which they look forward to, and it's an aspiration product still now. Like even people, they want to graduate to a solid diamond jewelry. They want to have a one pair of uh, uh, earrings, solitaire pendant, earring, and pendant, one solitaire and ring. They yeah. want to have that. Yeah. Okay. So and and, and you also men mentioned silver, right? Silver. So silver is in short term, if they want to buy something which is casual, silver is something which they are moving on to. Uh, right. Mainly because it uh, it's less risky in terms of price point. It's lesser than uh, gold jewelry. Much lesser. Uh, and uh, uh, they can experiment more. So in, if they are not buying into classical jewelry, which is a heritage jewelry or heirloom jewelry. They are shifting towards silver uh, slightly. Sure. So that 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 market is also a bit uh, booming. Booming. Yeah. So you mentioned that millennials are the ones who are kind of process of decision making. Right. What do you think is influencing the decision making today? Is social media a part of it? Uh, definitely, I think uh, social media uh, is definitely a part of it. But many a times we give it uh, way more credit to it than it deserves. Uh, now it's coming from me wherein my if I talk about Bharaji my entire uh, marketing is onto digital okay uh, yeah. around three years back we took a call that we do not want to do conventional medium at all sure uh, but I do understand that social media many a times it does have a kind of impression or a kind of influence on a millennial mind but there are a lot of other factors which are as if it's coming to precious jewelry there are other factors which play a much more important role uh, it depends on um, what kind of circle you have, uh, what your friends are wearing, hmm. um, what kind of uh, magazines you read, hmm. uh, what kind of movies you like uh, and uh, all of that things do play a bigger role. So it's more of aspirational value right eventually like when you say status or peer group or reading yeah. magazines or yeah. movies yeah. it's about aspiring to wear something which um, is approved. Jewelry, yes. yeah. Jewelry, yeah. It's more of an aspiration that okay they're waiting for that day for many years and now they get to buy it so they have developed a lot of thoughts for it 
and they have a lot of ideas for it and they come forth with that so yeah it's it's a bit of aspiration so that thing is there right yeah. and also because uh, there are now um places like carrot lane mm -hmm. carrot lane is the one right if carrot i'm not lane wrong is one. yeah blue stone is there right they are the ones who are providing it uh, online as well so what's your viewpoint about this online selling of jewelry see again uh, uh, online is something which is uh, at a nation stage it works for right as a jeweler as yeah. a jeweler as a jeweler online jeweler it's uh, it's at a nation stage and uh, the what happens is uh, it works for a certain product categories. Okay. Uh, small up, ticket size? Uh, not exactly small ticket size. Certain product categories, of course, it involves one is small ticket size and one are standardized products. Okay. So what I mean by standardized product is uh, something like solitaires. Okay. And if you have a bit of knowledge, you the can clarity buy and the all color cut, color clarity and carat weight. You still go to carat and you can buy because certifications are there. The amount of risk is very less. Sure. However, uh, uh, and it's very cliche when I say this, the touch and feel never leaves its charm. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. As far as jewelry is concerned, people would still like to come and wear it. Okay. Uh, if everything is perfect, whatever benefits you provide online, they would still like to have it. That's why, that's one of the reasons why Carrotin also, they came up with physical stores. Absolutely, they did. They, they, they realized did. that it's not going to do sell like that. Yeah. Okay, at some point yeah. in time, they want to scale it up. They need physical presence. So I think for jewelry, uh, mainly because it's a form of expression, number one, it's one of the highest emotional product for a customer. Yes, it is. Okay, so uh, they would not like to buy it online. And... Uh, uh, that much like certain products they would not like to buy it online that's why the relevance of brick and mortar retail stores will definitely be there but at some point in time both things have to merge merge together the traditional retailers will have need to have some kind of online presence sure okay so that uh, they can woo the customers they right. can make them understand that what are they why are they right and why their products are unique right once they have that online experience they will have to come to the uh, retail store and that's how the entire experience can be probably uh, enriched Brilliant, brilliant. So you mentioned about the online presence, which brings me to the another topic that um, the bigger jewelers, by bigger jewelers, what I mean is established ones in metros, right. always took help of uh, Bollywood celebrities, you know, right. for endorsement, right. you know, which is seeping into the non-metro cities as well. And mm. um, there's a lot of endorsement happening by, let's say, in Gujarat, like we have Gujarati movie stars, uh, RJs are also picking up mm. the endorsement. Mm. Has it really translated in terms of sales or is it just branding idea uh, I think in jewelry until unless you are five years or seven years old mm -hmm. in the market mm -hmm. uh, every non-tactical promotion uh, will not drive you sales right okay because it's it's uh, it's a time-taking process it's a relationship building process it's a trust building process absolutely uh, probably collaborating with the stars will give you some kind of visibility but for sure, it will not drive you, uh, it will not make people walk into your store hmm. asking for products. Sure. Okay, sure. so that expectation is uh, probably Wrong. not here. Everywhere, it's it's not there. Again, the thing is that the Gujarati, the, the celebrity culture in Ahmedabad or in Gujarat has still not matured. Sure. Okay, for a celebrity uh, endorsing everything, people need to look up to celebrities to Absolutely. a certain extent. So that thing, that gap is still there, I think, probably sure. in the next five, seven years, the way we are moving, uh, that thing will happen. One thing which we look for uh, when we collaborate with anyone, we recently collaborated with uh, one of the movies, uh, which is a national award-winning film, Hilaro, and uh, we we try to find the story behind it. Okay, that how Bharatji will be adding value to that 
project and how that will in turn help us. Sure. So that project, if I talk about in yeah, two yeah, minutes, yeah. Uh, what happens is that they uh, we had to consult them on the jewelry. The movie is based in 1975, which is in Kutch. And uh, uh, none of our current jewelry, we are into diamond jewelry and gold bridal jewelry. None of our jewelry were, we were, we were able to use it in that movie because the period was different. It was period jewelry that yeah, you it was needed. Period jewelry, and again, it was not, an, it was a non precious metal jewelry, right. silver, everything. So, uh, through that, uh, we could use our expertise of understanding the design, understanding the culture, understanding that timeline, and developing uh, a kind of a line for it specifically. Yeah. So, uh, my customers will understand that they understand jewelry. If hmm. I showcase that, okay, I designed something for Hellaro, hmm. okay, they'll understand that, okay, uh, they are not into that kind of jewelry, but they understand jewelry. Absolutely. I think that kind of story weaving is very important. Sure. Pure play collaborations will help. Uh, will definitely help but will not help you win sales definitely not win. brand building yes brand building definitely it's there yeah. but again the problem here is that you need to be consistent when you're building brand sure one collaboration will not work you'll have to do it over a period of Repetitive. months or probably years that's when people will start recognizing you i think that's very important that consistency yeah. is there Absolutely. no short-term results as far as endorsements are concerned it has always it always has to be uh, long term according to me yeah. absolutely yeah. so tell me what are the challenges challenges in the sector because that topic is what we wanted to majorly touch right. about you know um a lot of news have been coming out and uh, the dip in the right. gold market right now the economy slowing down right. um a lot of uh, people losing jobs um, I'm sure there are a lot of things that are there in the industry going on right mm -hmm. now in terms of logistics probably, in mm -hmm. terms of manufacturing, in terms of um, uh, employment, design of course, you know. Mm -hmm. So what are the challenges that you face as a jeweler? See, I think uh, the current pressure, the challenge, the major pressure, not only now, like, mm -hmm. um, this thing has been going on since last four or five years, mm -hmm. uh, is that uh, the biggest challenge is acquiring a new customer. Right. Okay. right. For a retailer, that's the basic. Uh, correct. The correct. Customer acquisition costs are very high. Right. Despite the fact that the customers are moving, their brand loyalties are decreasing. Uh, so relatively, it should be easier to catch a new customer, but it's not. Sure. Okay. Mainly because people are uh, substituting jewelry from some for some other purchases which are there. So. Uh, and especially now, currently, because of the international conditions, the way the gold prices have shot up, there is a sentiment, okay? Hmm. Still, people who want to buy, they have the money to buy, but the sentiment is such that the, there is a certain dip which is there in the market. Plus, Absolutely. there are certain government initiatives which are there. They they uh, look at jewelry industry with a different kind of an eye, sure. which in long term might help, but in short term, it's uh, probably creating a bit of... Uh, uh, unrest. Yeah, unrest in a way. So I think one of the biggest challenges uh, currently, uh, if I talk very practically, is uh, the, uh, the uh, current legislation which is there, uh, the gold prices which are there, and acquiring a new customer, which is the biggest challenge. Sure. The second challenge, which is, I think, as a retailer, if I want to think that what I can do and what challenge I am facing is sure. uh, uh, the jewelry industry is not innovating much. Yeah, I think that was the key that yeah, we were discussing yeah, earlier. Yeah. We, we are not innovating much uh, as a retailer when we say it's not innovating much in terms of the designs which we manufacture and uh, secondly the kind of experience we provide to a customer yeah okay you can own as a retailer you can differentiate only in two aspects hmm. okay what kind of designs or craftsmanship of brand story you have sure and what kind of experience you have sure uh, either it's online or it's offline uh, we have been working since us four or five years to work on that but I think as a collective, I think we need to work very much hard on that. And a lot of uh, investment needs to be put in that with the right kind of people coming in. 
Sure. I think uh, that's that's one thing which is very important that we innovate on our designs and on our customer experience. Brings back to the topic of design and pleasurism. Mm. Um, it's a high ticket size that's jewelry. Right. Right. How does one deal with pleasurism in such a high ticket size? See, um, I'll just. So plagiarism is good in a way. I would say uh -huh. uh, uh, there's something called a knockoff economy, uh -huh. copycat economy. Yeah, which also survives in a country like India. It will yeah. survive. Not only in India, internationally Everywhere, also yeah. it survives. Actually, in certain areas of the world, it lubricates the economy. Hmm. Okay, so uh, it's it's the one which makes a good designer a well-known designer. Hmm. Okay, that's what it happens in the fashion industry. So yeah, I'm, absolutely. Sabya Saji copies that yeah, we have. Yeah. 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 So um, people aspire for that because now everybody is having. Everybody knows that they are buying a first copy or second copy or whatever it is. They want to buy the new one. So plagiarism uh, is good for an economy as far as that is concerned. However, on the flip side, being a designer studio myself, wherein day in day out we work on designs tirelessly, the cost of uh, a design getting copied. It's very high, hmm. very hmm. high, uh, and it hits uh, most uh, to the designer studios and everyone, not a big retailers. Sure. Uh, when I say big retailers, it's in terms of the number of stores they have, the presence they have. Sure. Okay. So as a as a designer hub, when we have twenty retail stores, we still face a lot of issues. Imagine with twenty stores, you face an issue. Yeah, yeah, we face that issue, uh, and so the problem is that. Number one, what so what happens in jewelry industry is that uh, 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 that initial adopters which are there in fashion industry, and then the copycat then probably en enables them that uh, they set the trend and everything. In jewelry, the product lifespan is very big. Yeah. Okay. So suppose if I come up with an engagement ring, ring hmm. line. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So next season, I I will bring up a few more designs, but pretty much it's going to remain the same because right. it's, it's a, a concept. Product. Yeah. It's a concept. Okay. So it's going to remain same. So that's where. Uh, the one who wants to copy get a larger leeway. Okay, yeah. so it's not a fad kind of a thing wherein they adopt and we come up with something new and then they copy it and we come up with something new. That's not going to happen. So that's going to be uh, a big, big issue. The intellectual property rights um, uh, in India are not that good. Uh, mm -hmm. They do not. They are not creative, creator friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are not uh, creator friendly laws which protect them for their work and everything. I think that's not a problem only in India. Everywhere. It's everywhere, but it's much worse in India. Sure. So they make certain changes and they'll just uh, come up with a new design. Saying come, uh, They'll come up with a design which they say it's a new design, but which practically is not. However, what, what saves us here is that they can uh, copy the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Of a design. Okay. But jewelry, it's, it's a complex craft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can copy the aesthetics of a craft. They cannot copy the intricacies of a craft. Right. Right. So the okay. finishing and all of it. Everything. Yeah. It's not only about the finishing. It's not only about the things which the customer can see. It's about the things which customer cannot see. Sure. Okay. It's about the feel. So that differentiation we have been, uh, they we're working on. We have been trying to. So I think that kind of innovation is, is what will work against plagiarism. Sure. And I think a lot of responsibility as far as plagiarism also falls on the shoulder of the customers. Or Absolutely. Consumers. I think um, if they understand and what they are buying and what has gone behind this specific design and they can take a picture and they can go to any other jeweler uh, but they are doing a disservice probably to the jewelry which they are going to wear or probably to the creator so uh, the best thing is you does just the way we say uh, save ourselves is we just uh, do the best work we do which is designing jewelry we try to communicate to our customers in the best possible way that why we are different 
and um, that's that's it as of now. To end up the dialogue, because it has been very interesting, few suggestions. How does one brand remain relevant, a jewelry brand remain, remain relevant in current mm -hmm. times? I think uh, it can happen in two ways. Uh, I think at some point in time, the industry, especially jewelry industry, needs to understand that it's okay to fail. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a big yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to fail because uh, as a retailer, if I feel that, okay, people are watching me and okay uh, they're judging me uh, and again it's 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 not real also okay it's your own thought process so one thing which I uh, came up with recently also I was with someone and it was like that you need to fail first of all you need to fail fast and you you need to fail cheap <laughs> okay what happens is the moment you do not realize that you you need to fail you as it is failing and the cost of failing increases hmm. okay so you need to realize that you're failing you need to fail fast and you need to fail cheap, innovate, learn from it and come out. Hmm. I think that one thought processes will keep the uh, industry relevant. Secondly, I think um, it's high time that uh, non-jewelry people from design background come into the industry. I think it has been constricted uh, to a certain aspect wherein generations and generations of jewelers are coming in. Uh, that's why we are facing a lot of uh, shortage or dearth of good ideas, fresh ideas sure. in terms of customer experience, in terms of jewelry designs, in terms of jewelry display. Absolutely. Uh, uh, everything, everything. I think a lot of new people need to come in. They need to be encouraged. The entry barriers in jewelry industry, which uh, many a times is huge in terms of investment and everything. Probably if that uh, gap can be bridged, wherein the new designers can understand, uh, can collaborate with the jewelers in a way, hmm. they are given uh, due credit. Absolutely. So uh, that's something uh, I think uh, can keep the industry relevant, uh, especially in India, but globally also. Great. It was very, very insightful Thank speaking you. to you, Jaydeep, and understanding from you because the reason why we chose Jaydeep was also this reason that he is young by choice. He's decided to kind of come in the domain and he brings a lot of freshness to the, the entire industry, which has been dominated by a lot of traditional people, houses which have been in the business for eons. Thank you guys for watching the show. If you liked, please uh, like, share, comment and subscribe. The show will be up on Spotify as well for you to listen as a podcast we will be back again next week with another guest wednesday see you then thank you